0: everyone. Well, welcome to a special edition of Coalition conversation hosted by Tram Limited, called Tram Unplugged. Tram is a venture builder, a venture capital investor, and my name is Haya Omuridu, the human resources lead at Tram Limited. Now what is Tram Unplugged? Tram Unplugged is a special year in podcast series where we get to hear the personal stories for, for growth and transformation from the people who make Tram greats. Um, I mean, these are the thinkers and shapers who are not only changing the game in their professional lives, but also growing and evolving as individuals. Now, in this episode, we'll be joined by three of my colleagues, Philip Iwachukou, Alatunde King, and William Sony All right. And um, each one of them will be sharing their own unique stories of um, overcoming challenges, seizing opportunities, and learning valuable lessons along the way. I mean, whether you're a seasoned professional or you're just starting out, there's something for everyone in this episode. I mean, you're going to learn something. You're going to take something away um, just from this conversation. You'll be inspired, you know, by the resilience, creativity, and the determination of our team members. You also um, work away with some actionable insights that you can apply to your own life, all right? So grab your headphones, sit back, and get ready to be unplugged from the ordinary and plugged into the extraordinary stories of triumph, people. Yay! All right, so this is the part where, you know, our uh, colleagues are going to be introducing themselves. And um, I'm going to be starting with Philips and what you call, followed by Ollaton the King and then Uluasomi also. Phillips, how are you today? So to tell us... Um, What do you do to make Triumph great?
1: Yeah, hi. Um, Thank you for that intro, Ayo. So my name is Phillips, and basically, I lead a team of product innovators. Um, Several one probably would know. Triumph is a premium venture builder entity within the Coronation Group. So the crux of that venture building mandate um, lies on the prototype team. So I lead a team called Prototype, and basically we seek out um, important problems across the financial services uh, ecosystem to solve. We solve, we attempt to solve those important problems by building out very simple digital solutions that we call prototypes. Um, So, we do this, really, by uh, working with several stakeholders, you know, um, both internal to triumph, external to triumph, internal to the coronation ecosystem, external to the coronation ecosystem, um, to validate that solution idea and bring it to the market. So, you're not sure that's basically what I do.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's brilliant. Moving on to Alatoli King. Hi, Alatunek.
2: Hi. Hi, Ayo.
0: So tell us what you do to make Traum a great place. Well, Trial is already a great place. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I for once, for good order, I try my best and contribute my quota. Uh, as required of me. Uh, I head the legal and compliance department of trial. Now, as, um, my colleague had said, that's Philips, um, Trump's a eventual builder, right? Now I'm not in the front office like Philips or like my other colleagues heading respective departments. So I put more from the back office. Now as legal and as compliance, um, the crux of my, uh, my day to day duties and responsibilities includes me working across teams. So. Every other team that is within Triumph, I more or less put support services to them in terms of the legal services that's been required of mm-hmm. me. Now then for compliance, don't forget that Trump is also a company. Yes, eventual venture builder, but the business organization is set up as the company. And we are regulated by legal services. So I'm always having to ensure that trial is in compliance with the laws, regulations. That's me have been imposed or may have come out that affects trial. So I always have to wear my compliance and to make sure that trial is not getting imposed or fines, or whatever are not imposed on, on trial. So in a nutshell as as um Phillips had said, I had legal and I had compliance. And then sometimes and I have to also work uh my duty spans even into the ecosystem.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, the way Triumph is structured in terms of the corporate structure itself, right? Mm-hmm. Now, trial is owned by its money. Mm-hmm. Be i call it a family office, right? Now, on that trial, trial also had subsidiaries. So uh as I head the legal and compliance department for trial, I'm always having to provide supervisory rules to the subsidiaries on that trial. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes. I'm always having to provide support services to the ecosystem in general, Mm -hmm. which also includes not just legal, but also compliance. So yeah, I work and I'm employed by trial. Mm -hmm. to work for trial. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes I also have to work for other entities besides trial. Well, it's called the ecosystem, right? And the idea is to ensure that all entities within the ecosystem are Mm -hmm. working simultaneously and Mm -hmm. seamless. So at every point in time,
0: always do mm-hmm. my best to so contribute my WhatsApp. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um. Did I just hear Ulua Sonikov? Sorry, what's happening? <laughs> Looks like you have a lot to tell us. So mm-hmm. over to you, sorry. All
3: right. Hi everyone. Thank you. Ayo. My name is Ulua soni Owo. I lead the finance team at mm-hmm. Triumph again. Like today. Finance function is more of a back office role, essentially providing support to every other team. I mean, you could see a typical finance team as the numbers person. So, anywhere some of those aspirations, each and every team is trying to activate. I mean, we put numbers to it and ensure that we actualize all of those desires. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's just briefly about what I do at trial. The money house.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brilliant. Thanks, guys, for the introduction. Um, in case you just just joining, this is uh, Triumph Unplugged, and my name is Ayọ Onorinde. I'm the email Resources Lead at Triumph. All right. Um, so next, we'll be talking about um some of the challenges you know that we've experienced, um, both in our personal lives and professional lives, right, in the past year. So you can just look back, um, in at the, at the last couple of months. And you know, tell us some of the pivotal moments or turning points that led to your, you know, growth and transformation in your career. And it could be on a special project that you worked on. What are some of the challenges you faced? How were you able to, you know, overcome those challenges? Um, I think I'll be starting with Alatunde um, on this one.
2: Thank you. I I joined Triumph in April 2022, so. I are year plus. and I would say the journey has been smooth, not very smooth. Um, there has been some obstacles, I've had issues. In fact, when I joined, um, what I expected prior to joining as I was told was not what I got. So I had a bit of culture shock, right? Now I'm first and foremost, an investment lawyer. Right, um and so coming into f- from where I was coming from, I was literally doing investments, but joining trial, um, it was a bit different. So I, I had to in, in quotes up my game on my compliance, compliance mm-hmm. road. So I did more of compliance. It wasn't really an issue because they were well, every lawyer um. At, at your fingertips, you mm-hmm. should know, you should have a little bit of compliance with you, right? So mm-hmm. it was more, it took me time to, it took me to all the returns. I had to get rid up on the returns because we were finding returns weekly, uh, monthly, quarterly, half yearly, and then yearly. And from where I was coming from, because I worked in a law firm, and then I worked also in an investment firm that was actually not registered with sick, right? So we did have those. So I had to up my game two, so three months into into trial. I was then told I have to become a, a sex month so I had to navigate up on that again. And that was the lot of work on my own part. we've mm-hmm. been up exams. So. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had my 10 percent by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes. score, It was the highest score in the ecosystem. Oh. I think it was the highest score for, for the exam. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. But uh, eventually yes, I became a sponsor individual and it's worked out fine for, for me. Mm. Right now, in triumph, I have three major, um, regulatory compliance. Um, there's legal advisory, and there's committee secretariat. Right now, so I'm having or I'm required to perform on this on these three broad areas. Now, legal advisory was well, I was always doing it, so it was not it to me. I heard of my regulatory compliance, so I adjusted. But my comment secretariat sorry. now, if you've worked with Ike or if you've had a chance to work with Ike, you would know that um Ike is very big on compliance and also big on uh common secretariat. So yes, I was able to manage my compliance part. But my common secretariat part mm-hmm. In okay, the first few months, the first board meeting I had, <laughs> I I I know I went through. Uh I really know what I went through because he he literally ate me at that board meeting. Like he told me to it at that board meeting. is see, the minutes that I didn't? Well, in hindsight, I should have taken um. I, what's the word? I should have I should have been a bit more assistance mm-hmm. and puts more efforts in it, in hindsight. right. Okay. When well, my first board meeting, it turned into shreds, right? Is it the minutes they we were not captured properly for minutes for a, for a meeting that I did not attend by the way, <laughs> and there was no recording by the way, but that's story for another day or is it the board park itself? He was just not happy. And then it was now, in fact, at the end of the, at the end of the meeting, he literally just said, you know what, go back, rewrite these needs, go back, go, go and prepare these documents again and go and least go and speak to that law them so you can get a bit more common secretary experience. So the reprimand came, it had two effects on me. It was like, I'm a lawyer. You, you don't, I don't think you should command me this way. Right?
0: <laughs>
2: because you, you were literally tearing me in front of the whole board, like, so and the on the converse side, yeah. it was okay, maybe you really did a bad, a shoddy job, right? Mm. So just take it on. Yes, you didn't you didn't prepare those minutes, even though, yes, there was a law firm at the time that was the company secretary, right? Yes, you were not in charge of the board back, but to be fair, you were sitting at this meeting as the acting company secretary. Mm. So the least you could have done was to ensure that everything was good prior to getting to mm-hmm. that meeting mm-hmm. so he had those effects on me it okay. was why are you reminding me it's really not my fault but then again you messed up mm-hmm. so and if you messed up it's just it's just fair or it's just all right like that yes you are reminded for messing up yeah. and that was like a turning point for me right because I knew that I was going to get get into subscribers with um, I was I mm. and I knew that if I came with that same attitude and with the same kind of work, bad quality work, mm. I did the first time, I knew I was going to get the I was going to get <laughs> on the bad side. So I just knew that I had to work
0: on that. Mm.
2: And one of the ways that I, I I I helped myself was prior to the meetings, yeah. I was chasing. Me. I will send him several emails and his um, executive assistants. Okay. I was sent, prepared the meeting, the meeting, the book back, got him to review, got him to approve everything. And then at the next meeting, he had really reviewed it. Mm. There was really no point. It was the same through for me. Right. And that's what I've now been doing for all my meetings with him. Okay. And I think even on the legal advisory side, I know, um, and I, I think um, videos might even have. More insight on this. So, for one of the projects that we're working on with with yeah. a collaboration with um uh, one of the um, government agencies mm-hmm. at the moment. So, uh, we're trying to build a, a prototype a project that the agency will then use
0: and mm-hmm.
2: and uh, put it into the markets, right? Mm-hmm. So, for the legal side, we got into uh, negotiating the terms mm-hmm. of the agreement, right? Now. At the time of negotiating this agreement, um, what we're told was don't be too hard on this government agency because this should be more of a, in quotes, a CSR. Now, I was of the opinion that, yes, even if it's CSR, there are still some terms, basic terms, yeah. and conditions that should be inside that agreement, mm-hmm. which is irrespective of whether it is a CSR or whether it's a purely private commercial agreement, mm-hmm. right? Yeah there are still some basic terms that should be inside the agreement. And so I was resistant and holding on to the fact that these terms, they are, ordinary should be in a contract. And so they should be we should agree it right now. But mm-hmm.
3: Superior Force had this done,
2: and we had to, for, for most of the things we had to, uh, we had to concede, right, mm-hmm. to, uh, the government agency having its way almost of the terms that she, or, online should not have been considered to. Mm. And then essentially we then had a the first draft, Well, let me even say first draft, because we had different iterations. So we had a final draft of that agreement. In fact, I think at that time we had actually even signed the agreement. And then we then said, you know what, let's get the chairman I to Let's let's get his final say. So, in fact, prior to that, he had already said, you know what, guys. Yeah, get this thing done, and let's and let's let's get on with the implementation. So we just said, you know what? Let's even give him a side Let mm. him just have a cursory look and give it that to and That was never a cursory look. It mm-hmm. was when when he read that agreement, he was not believe it. Mm. Like <laughs> he tore the agreement to shreds. <laughs> he, in hindsight, he just. It, it was clear on one thing that okay. you are a lawyer, right? Irrespective of it's a CSR, it is a gentleman's argument between yeah. two parties. It's a, I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help this party. It yeah. is, um, don't be too hard on this party. You are, you are literally a lawyer, right? You are meant to guide, you're meant to guide your company. Or the person or your client or the person that you're presenting, you're meant to guide the person's hands mm. and to ensure that present, right now, and in future, there are pitfalls that that person can avoid by making sure that he gets the best terms and conditions as at the present time. He mm. it just it was literally just hitting me that it doesn't matter, like, even if I'm trying to do you a favor, I'm still a lawyer, you have to ensure that the basic terms and conditions that should be in an agreement to favor your own client should be in that agreement. Mm. And it, it is that we couldn't even give an excuse, long and short, yeah. we had to terminate that agreement, go back to the negotiating table oh. and negotiate the terms again. Okay. And in fact, it was now he, he, the counterparty more or less two, to uh, took it as we're operating from a point of bad faith, and I had to go back and explain to the counterparty that see, it's not coming from a place of bad faith. It's like yes, we knew, yes, we actually acceded or we agreed in terms of conditions, mm. right? But then again, you, I'm sure that at the time when you got this first agreement, you thought that you were getting the, you thought that you, for want a better word, you you got the better hand. Mm. We're trying to just make the Uh, both sides, both uh, sides balanced. Mm. It was, yes, it's a CSR. Yes, in quotes, a partnership. And the answer of a partnership is that both parties will come, right, sit down and agree. Say, party A brings this, party B brings this. And at least it should be, both terms should be fair to both parties. Looking at this agreement that we had, in quotes, it really, um, it was really, the explanations. the initially uh, had to agree to this. Right, we went back to the table. We negotiated the terms, and then got the final agreement. That uh, thankfully Jamal <laughs> refused awesome. But awesome. it was a turning. It was a a learning point for me.
0: Mm.
2: And what it meant to me was, it doesn't matter the intention of. Managers okay. or your superiors, mm-hmm. if they have said, do this, get it done whichever way. Right? Don't forget that you are also a lawyer, mm-hmm. so uh, you need to make sure that even though yes you are trying to ensure or do what your superiors has told you to do, you are, you, you at first you have to make sure that that thing is done in the in code in the most legal way mm-hmm. that benefits your clients mm-hmm. and it prevents. Any pitfalls present and in future that your clients may enter by virtue of entering into that agreement based Mm -hmm. on your own advice. Mm -hmm. Because when push comes to show and issues then come up, the first, the literal first thing that they will ask is Did a lawyer not review this agreement? Did you know, were you not advised by a lawyer prior to signing this agreement? And then if the president says it was, then it's just very bad. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, yeah. So uh,
0: Wow. Well, thanks for the insights. The key things I pick from that is um challenges will always be there. Yes, right. Um and we can't run from the challenge if we want to grow, but we have to embrace it and then you know seek opportunities to outgrow the challenges and convert it to opportunities. Thanks for that brilliant conversation. Thank um you. now I'm gonna be moving um over to Sami. You know, um, so we also want to learn some key insights from your journey in the past, you know, year. Um, What what has been your experience? What are some of the challenges you faced, and how are you able to overcome them? Okay, so thanks, I. So
3: I assume this this is supposed to be professionally and personally. And personally, yeah. So for the personal bit, I would say very early, at least a year or about two years. I I got exposed to some opportunities. So by opportunities I mean I embraced more like embraced a position that mm-hmm. in quotes is not supposed to be mine, right? Mm-hmm. So we had this shock in the finance function and then we needed people to just man up to the gap. You you all can tell what the HR environment is in getting mm-hmm. getting resources. So essentially, it was a thing of, at that early stage, having to work directly with your executives. So you can tell how your output needs to be on top, right? And then essentially, just making sure that you produce the best. So that really helped me in the sense that you could have an executive reviewing your work and giving you feedback at that level. Unlike if you are working with, say, there is there are two layers before you get to that. Mm-hmm. Some of those feedbacks before they drill down to you, you probably just catch up on some of the rest. Mm-hmm. So uh, typically what I would say the lesson there was, I mean, I knew when that happened, I was not ready to back out or say, let's let's sort out this mining gap. I was more of, while we are sorting it out, the boat keeps working. Let's see how best we can turn around, even with the little resources we have, and that's mm-hmm. really how at Triumph, really, I think one of the things, one of the challenges is turning turning your work around within a very short time, right? Mm-hmm. More like the short turnaround time. And I think one, one thing that I know speaks out at Triumph is the collaborative work environment. So that's, that really helps. So I can I can picture this or grab this because, I mean, I've, I've worked in other places, right? So when I joined Triumph, I realized that what you see is, there is an action owner, there's a project owner, and then the person uploads a document and then tags everybody. What you see happening there is people work on the same document real time, and then within hours, if you have everybody's collaboration and collaboration, you can actually get the document rolled out within the shortest time possible. Uh, that instance is very recent when we're doing the 2024 budget. Mm-hmm. And I had to just tag the team lead, just put your input, in and Essentially, the finance team you rely largely on input from every other unit. I mean, there are some you act as an aggregator or just moderate, yeah. but then you rely on, on the other team. So that's that's a challenge that would have existed, but because of the cultural triumph, it was something that I realized that, oh, come on, this thing could actually get done mm-hmm. in a very shorter period of time. And of course, lastly there is a tracking system where, I mean, the kind of person I like to track my work. And I think that's one thing that I also like to mention. So I've seen cases where someone will have forgotten that uh, we're supposed to do something and they just see my name and they be like, where is this great. going from? Because some way, somehow, mm-hmm. I've seen all of those things. And so I have like an Excel dashboard. Okay. So at the point where a task comes, I kind of put it down. and Because yes, I mean, you are not a machine, I you're a robot. Mm-hmm. That's why you have some of those tools there. So when I have those things down, I then use my priority metrics, which one is urgent, which one is high importance, and the rest. And then one way or the other, I I get to review some of those things. And Mm -hmm. then I see that, oh, this one has fallen through the cracks. And then I pick it up and then start working on it again. So that's really a challenge where there's a lot of work or there's a lot of expectation from you. And at the same time, you just have to deliver. Mm -hmm. So at Triumph, it's really fast paced, if you ask me. And I'll say, that's a challenge So What wow, I overcome is essentially ensuring that I track some of those things. And of course, I don't only really track, I also measure my progress. Because mm-hmm. I have like a summary which tells me, oh, this is the percentage you achieve from this, task. Yeah. This is the percentage you have. And I do that with my team mm-hmm. too. So it then encourages me to say, okay, you, know, you are dropping the ball, mm-hmm. or you need to just up your game. Oh, maybe you can relax a bit after all. Yeah, you didn't kill Jesus. <laughs> so yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that I would say works for the collaborative bit. I think I I forgot to mention something. One of the things I've also learned is to keep it cool with everybody, really, because it's a team, right? Uh, there's a biblical injunction that says that as much as possible, live peaceably with everyone. Because I mean, because you have to work with everybody, you would you would have to ask or make requests from them. Yeah, and then you don't want hesitation where somebody is just delaying you and then. Of course, nobody cares. It's your work. You are the project manager, and then you just have to get it done. Mm-hmm. But again, if you have good rapport them, and then I mean, as much as possible, just don't have any quarrels. Then of mm-hmm. course, people will be there to when they see you as a team member, very good team player, they'll be there mm-hmm. to support you and assist you. And of course, when they ask you to, you also want to be there for them because mm-hmm. it's give and take. And then if you don't keep it cool, yeah. really, I mean, they won't they won't say no. With. The person I is expecting you to deliver is not going to go and meet them. Yeah. they are going to ask you for reports. So
0: yeah, yeah, thank you. So, thank you, Bravo for that. I mean, what I picked is uh, one of the things I picked is um, about stakeholder management. You know, you have to you have to know your stakeholder and uh, learn to work with them amicably so that you can get your stuff done. You know, uh, stakeholder management is is one important skill that every workplace professional you know should have. Um, Thanks a lot for that. And also, um, have a tracking system of what you need to do, no matter how small, you know, the task is. Let them just go into that tracking system so that they don't fall off the crap. You know, thanks a lot for that. Um, Now we're moving to Philips.
1: Hi, Ayo.
0: So we'd we'd like to learn some um, key insights from you. Challenges. Um, You can also tell us um, some personal stuff as well. We know that... um, Uh, You just had a beautiful baby.
1: Yeah.
0: It's right for us to mention it here. So I'm very sure that you're going to touch on that and how it's been able to, it's it's a growth, um, you know, it's a growth path, right? But I want to know how it's been able to also impact your professional journey so far.
1: Yeah, great. Um, So thank you, Ayo. I've been pretty enchanted by um, today's response earlier. You know, around some of the challenges that he's had to face. Um, I mean, uh, some of those challenges have had like I've had an nexus you know, in my experience as well with those challenges. But um, when, when I came on board and I joined Triumph nearly, this was beginning of last year. You know, my thinking was okay, small thing. Thing at the time, my core focus was around was VC and and the whole. You know, prototyping thing. Um, not it wasn't entirely new to me. I mean, I've, I've I've led product teams before, but to be at the very heart of innovation like that, you know, was was fairly new to me. Um, my previous roles, I've had you know the red right privilege of leading teams to manage products. To already build out, you know, features we already had in on product roadmaps like that for organization, Mm -hmm. multiple organizations in multiple sectors. Mm -hmm. Joining Triumph, the rodeo was obviously from day one, my onboarding day one. I got the sense that, okay, this is going to be an entirely different ballgame. You know, I remember Mm -hmm. in my onboarding, my predecessor mentioned that, look, Phillips, this is everything you know about products. Just know that it is going to be tested on this role. This role is going to be more strategic than technical. You know, when, when you hear someone say mm-hmm. that someone has spent, you know, the last part of her career working on the role you're about to take over from, you, you mm-hmm. know that it's it's a serious thing. You know. So that reality dawned on me real quick, right? And in, in a couple months, I think in about two months. We started that project that Sunday was referring to, you know, with with, with a partner, basically an SRO um, in Nigeria, and it was interesting um, because because of the high stakes of it all, especially with managing the various stakeholders on that project. I thought I knew I was a pro at managing stakeholders until that project. I, I I couldn't understand at first a project that started late may the the hassle and the the huddle scaling the huddle of getting stakeholders to agree on very critical things took us at least mm-hmm. um april may june july august it was at least five months it was crazy wow. you know it was it was unprecedented i had never seen anything like it and i think it, it spoke to the level of the level of interest, right? And the level of power that all stakeholders had on that mm-hmm. project it was, of course, it was a massive mm-hmm. project. In, and I was, my team were to lead the delivery of that project. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a learning curve as well. We got creative as to how to, manage the stakeholders the frameworks we had put in place um, at, mm. at, um now we had to really really put them to test and they worked surprisingly you know the mm. frameworks around how to manage our stakeholders i mean this is internal to the prototype team which i um how to manage our, our stakeholders the sort of um the sort of cadence with which you you manage them, sort of frequency around, you know how you how you provide updates, how you get them to take decisions, um, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it was it was it was a great learning curve, especially because at the end of the day, the project went through. All stakeholders were basically pulling to the center eventually, um, and it was it was it was a phenomenal success. I'm sure that by the time we have our next podcast. I'll be a bit more free, right? To discuss the terms, uh, mm-hmm. to break to break down that project and what we delivered, and speak in specific terms around that project, right? Um, again, in retrospect, I think a lot of the success on that project and subsequent projects moving from last year to this year boiled down to the cultural triumph, um, the culture of owning your thing, right? The culture of being the owner of initiatives, okay? That culture mm-hmm. of going out of your way to do what is right and to make sure everyone is pulling towards the center of what is right. Um, mm-hmm. That culture of trusting your teammates, because I we, we had to rely heavily on the expertise of uh, of our legal and compliance team, for instance, we knew they were going to battle for us, right? And it sort of gave us that that trust as a base to keep innovating, to keep you know um, working with other internal stakeholders to deliver that project. Simply because we knew that we had the trust, we had the trust of our legal and compliance team, um, you know really out there making sure that our interests were protect the interests of the project were protected um and mm. that we have the free hand to really really build out stuff um that culture especially when it has to do with product innovation building things that that make impact is very very significant right mm. and then i learned Another crucial lesson I learned was around managing people. I'm not talking about managing stakeholders no, Managing my own team, I cannot even begin to tell you the number of times um, we had to we had to motivate each other. I I had it, it, it couldn't be business as usual. I mean, these were high performing folks from who who had joined from entities that were you know that were a bit more nimble that had they, they had they had successful products to their name and to come in and have that experience um it, it was as yeah. if everything new was being challenged so i had to get creative around managing these high flyers you know making sure that um in the midst of it all they were giving their best right they were giving their best mm. and that they were they were motivated to give more of their best. Um, that was a great lesson as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in in retrospect, again, just to speak about uh, the insights that I think you know, our listeners, anyone listening to this podcast, would find useful, especially for people in in our space doing the sort of things that we do, whether in product management. Or uh in the broader technology space. It is never enough. It is never, never enough to know your stakeholders. This can be this is very tiny, but it is absolutely fundamentally important. It is never enough. Your knowledge of your stakeholders would go a long way to influencing how you work with them. Um, Tunde will tell you, you know, how he had to leverage all the channels that were not necessarily formal, you know, you had to go beyond a call or an email. It had to be, it had to get creative. So in retrospect, um, that was a fundamental lesson for me as a leader, uh, is also a fundamental lesson for me as a product person, um, knowing your stakeholders and leveraging of that knowledge, um, you know to work with them, because at the end of the day, um, especially for large scale complex uh, projects, you know that you're going to be deploying technology to delivering. Um, it's very very critical that you know your stakeholders well enough to determine how best to manage them. Right. So I think I think that's that's a a, a quick run, a quick rundown of you know my learning curve and my growth curve coming onto the team.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome thanks thanks for um, all the key insights that you you've been able to draw for us here. right um um to our listeners you know today's episode has showed us that uh growth is a continuous journey right it's not just uh, a one-stop one action activity you have to keep you know building on it and keep going um in the journey of learning basically it's not a dear destination and just like child, Let's never stop learning, evolving, and striving to be our best selves. Um, as you listen back to these stories, ask yourself what challenge can you embrace to jumpstart your personal and professional growth in 2024, right? I mean, 2024 is around the corner. Um, people are beginning to think about their experience this year and uh, the past year in retrospect. And then you do picking learning and then coming up with what they need to do. Uh, better in 2024 so this is an opportunity for us you know to review our plans for next year and remember even the smallest steps can lead to incredible mountain climb thanks our beautiful listeners and thanks to my colleagues Alatunde Phillips and Sami for the great insights that you've been able to share with us All right. Thanks, guys. See you at the next episode of our podcast, Chime Unplugged.
1: To find out more about us, please visit www.chime.ng. Love and light.